Welcome to the Breakthrough Podcast. I'm J. Paul Frydenmaker, and I am amazed by all you folks who do fundraising, inviting generous people to resource causes all over the world. In the Breakthrough Podcast, we interview high net worth givers globally to listen and learn about how we as fundraisers can do our best work in inviting people to the party. Thank you for listening in. Today, I'm interviewing a guy whose passions include backyard chicken farming. Todd DeKreider enjoys other things as well, finding new restaurants, watching sports, playing with his kids, all things I can heartily agree with him on. I also know especially that he loves engaging in generosity conversations. Normally, Todd is my co-host on this podcast, but today he's my first interviewee. Todd's family experienced significant business and financial success in the garbage industry, started by his grandfather, carried on by his father. Todd's uncle, Wayne Heisinger, is responsible for launching waste management in the U.S., along with a few other household names like Blockbuster and AutoNation. Todd was in full-time pastoral ministry for nearly a decade, and then in business and private equity investing. He's now a principal chair for C12 in the Indianapolis area, which is an awesome organization, runs the nation's largest invitation-only peer advisory groups for Christian CEOs and business owners. He and his wife, Janelle, live in the Indy area. They have two boys and two girls. All right, let's listen in on my conversation with Todd. So here with my friend, Todd DeKreider. Todd, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yep, and telling your story a little bit. So, Todd, what I know about you, my experience of you is uh, you're an intense guy. You're an entrepreneur. Um, You are third generation of a high net worth wealthy family, but you've had your own financial success, I think. You can tell a little bit more about that. It's all relative. It's all relative. (laughs) That's right. But um, uh, you've also written a book about this called Enough. Um, And I think the full title is, if I get this right, Navigating Life with More. More than Enough. Than Enough. Yeah. So, um, So let's start, though, by just telling us a little bit about your family um, you know, where you guys live and yep. what you're currently doing. And then we'll get into the story. Yeah, great. Um, so yeah, currently my wife and I live in Indianapolis. Um, I'm a chair with C12, um, okay. a principal chair down here in, in uh, Indiana. Um, we've got four kiddos, 18 down to 11, two mm-hmm. boys and then two girls. Um, my extended family, I've got three brothers, all married with either three or five kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, all are up in Michigan. Uh, we're Dutch, like 100%. Okay. Um, my... My mom's mom was the first generation over here on one side, and then dad's, I think I'm fifth on the other side. Um, but Southwest Michigan, Dutch as they get. Uh, my mom was a Heisinger. So of that generation, I think seven out of the ten of my father and grandfather's generation ran and sold garbage companies. Yeah. Uh, my grandfather, my mom's dad's cousin, started waste management in Blockbuster. Okay. Um, so I think his claim to fame before he passed was starting three Fortune 100 companies. Mm-hmm. So I have inside in- information to that and world. Boston Market. Yeah, extended stay hotels, a few yeah. of them. There was yeah. just quite a few. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Uncle Wayne was, was very good on that side. So he was... When you're 12 and you meet a guy at a family reunion, he's just another old dude at the right. family reunion. Yeah. Um, 
But when you're 12, you also notice people react differently to Wayne than they did everybody else. So uh, Wayne and a couple other um, of my mom's cousins did very well as well. Mm-hmm. In business, yeah, we ran and sold a financial planning practice. We've done some commercial real estate and always in private equity stuff. But yeah. um, when you say private equity stuff, it's, it's relative, right? Sure. So um, I, uh, I, I know folks in that space, and I am not one of those. At the yeah. same time, most people look at me and go, well, you're the wealthiest person I know. And I'm like, oh, you need to get out more. <laughs> right yeah yeah absolutely so when did you was it that was it 12 i I was gonna ask you when did you sort of go wait a minute i'm you know something's different here yeah talk about that my family had a lake house and my best friend didn't. And so we would disappear. And my lake house was like a half hour away. It was in Michigan yeah. to Michigan. My parents have had two houses their entire lives. Yeah. Um, but I, I kind of went, oh, not everybody has a lake house. That's different. You uh-huh. know? And it was a nice spot on the lake for sure. Right. But um, the, the real one is it was when I was 12, uh, we went on a trip to the Netherlands. Okay. So it was about 100 of us uh, from the United States went back. So um, I think the family story is five. So great, great, whatever grandpa had eight kids. Three of them stayed in the Netherlands. Five came to the United States. And uh, my my great grandpa Seer was the first of that generation over here. Mm-hmm. And, three, and so we were going to go see them. We had no clue who they were. Um, and I don't think many of us shared the same language. And my uncle Frank even... It was better in Dutch, but we got there and found out he wasn't better in Dutch because we could barely understand him in English. Anyway, that was a fun story. Um, But yeah, I I was 13, I was 12, uh, somewhere in that range when we went over to the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. And uh, we went visit Heisinga Town, which I didn't know we had a town. Um, And we made the local papers um, Mm -hmm. because when Uncle Wayne went places, he he was uh, on the Forbes list and, and very successful. He owned the Dolphins, Panthers, and Marlins at one point in time. And uh, people noticed him, and I'm like, huh, that's different. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, my side of the family was my dad and grandfather ran and sold the garbage company unrelated to waste management. Uh-huh. And um, we were successful, but we weren't as successful yeah. as that half of the Heisinger side. Yeah. Um, but again, it is relative to a certain extent. But it was on that trip that I kind of started looking, going, huh. There are some differences about my family. Yeah. And that was actually the same year my dad sold his business. He didn't want two boys in the business and two boys out. My oldest brother's in ministry. Second oldest brother wanted to be an engineer. And so we went on this trip that was eye-opening. My dad sold his business. And then I noticed um, when my dad sold his business, he made the local papers as well. And I I, I could read those. They weren't in Dutch. Right. Um, And I was like, huh. But all of the information, my dad's a pretty private guy. All of the scrubbed information is was taken out of it. And so he tried to make it, you know, he had some corporate structure stuff so he could make it less obvious what the amounts were and that kind of stuff. But there were some amounts in the papers. And I went, oh. And and I remember once as well, my dad, uh, I was filling out a, I don't know what it was, but it was one of those things where you have to check your family's income box. Okay. And I'm like, hey, dad, what's our income? He goes, oh, click the top box. And I went, oh, it's. It was 400000 or something. Yeah. He goes, really? Is that high? Oh, yeah, that's right. And I went, oh, well, that's income, right? <laughs> right? Versus, and I think there was a right. net worth box too. My dad goes, what's that form? I think it was yeah. college forms or something I was filling yeah. out. I forget when. So there's marks along the way where I always thought families were like mine to a certain extent until I got married. And I think all families to a certain uh-huh. extent have that. Yeah. You know, as far as Thanksgivings and Christmas mm. and how you open presents and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then it really hit me when I started doing financial planning and I'm like, wow, I, I got some unique insights on how to manage money that other families don't. Oh, um, interesting. Because you had been doing that. 
Yeah, so yeah. I, I, my dad, we early on gave us some accounts for mutual funds and that kind of stuff. Oh, okay. and, and in junior high, I knew what a mutual fund was and how yeah. to analyze some of them. And my dad and some of his buddies have had some investment groups that I participated in over the years. And, and yeah. most of it was publicly traded equities kind of stuff, not mm-hmm. private equities. Um, but I, through family's ties, knew how to analyze some stuff more than other people did. And I'm like, I was talking to the other guys at my financial planning firm that you know didn't come from this. And they're like, where, how do you get this, Todd? I'm like, yeah. your dad didn't teach you these things? Or you, yeah. <laughs> your brothers don't sit around and... Anyway, so, and that, not we always do. I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm in the back of my head going, yeah, but my, I feel like my family's normal. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's this weird tension that I'm like, yeah, it's it's different, but it's it's not that different. Um, yeah. You know, we... we, we I, I don't know what, what reference to give you that word normal, but um, I, I don't feel like we're all that different. Sure. Um, and because... And so, and it's, I'll say it this way: When I was writing my book, I interviewed probably 100 plus, uh, maybe 150 families. Um, most of them very wealthy, probably about 10 of them on the Forbes list. Mm-hmm. And as we're talking through those folks, getting to know the differences, what I found is all of them said some aspect of that as well. I'll say it this way: There's a very, very wealthy guy I talked to on the Forbes list, and his wife still cuts his napkins in half in the morning because one napkin for more breakfast is just too much. <laughs> Yes. And I'm just going, there's some semblance all families like that have to... Little quirks. Yes, yeah. remain yeah. normal, not be extravagant, Yeah, prove they're still part of the world they grew up in. For the most part, they all grew up there. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that's my family. We're weird, we're different, we're odd. Right. Um, well, and I, I assume on that last point, it's different when you're third generation versus first generation. You know, your, your dad... Uh, maybe more frugal than you are, and and your grandpa is oh my word. super super yeah. yeah. Well, actually, I think my brother's probably the most frugal guy I know. Oh really? So he, he yeah. caught it. I don't know why, but yeah. Um, yeah. But no, it's 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 definitely the case. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we mentioned in a previous podcast, I think at this point uh, about Jim Grubman with this book of Strangers in Paradise, which is helpful. That when you're the first generation to be wealthy, you still find so many of those things very odd. Um, when you're the second generation, you still potentially find them odd, but you get more used to them. And the third generation does typically, they're no longer immigrants to this land of paradise or having more than enough. Right. Um, so there's this really interesting idea with that. And it really is kind of like immigrating to a new land. Mm-hmm. So for my family, it was the Netherlands. For many Americans, it was Europe as well. As you come over or, you know, when you meet a first generation immigrant from, you know, Mexico or whatever it is, yep. this work ethic is insane. Right. And then that does fade typically when you get to their third generation they become kind of more americanized which yeah honestly doesn't have a great work ethic right now right right um but yeah that's the weird part about it so i feel like to a certain extent i am a gen three um but then you know i ran and sold the financial planning practice and some commercial real estate and Mm -hmm. private equity stuff so i kind of feel like i'm a one Mm -hmm. as well yeah i'm a one like a smaller one that i am a three (laughs) yeah but it is that weird dynamic i experience you more that way yeah. Per, like even from the beginning, um, I experienced you more as a as a first generation kind of yeah. high net worth person than, than. Now, what about you? Mentioned that your your dad would you know kind of give you tips on how to manage money, yeah. or you'd participate in some of his groups. What about the philanthropic side? How did you learn about that? Did you get invited into it? How did that all work for your family? My first experience to that was. Um, my, my dad came, my, both my mom and dad grew up in the church, but my dad came to Christ later in life. And um, it was at a Billy Graham style crusade, a guy named John Guest, who looked and sounded like Paul McCartney, by the way, um, did a gospel presentation. My dad was actually trained to be a counselor. 
and starts hearing this guy goes, wait, I've never made this personal, right? I've always been a Christian culturally. I've never made a relationship with Jesus. And so from that, my dad goes, hey, if I grew up in this church background, I did, and all, I never heard this message. My friends never did. And so John Guest came to our house, probably lived there, it seemed like, for a week, whereas breakfast, lunch, and dinner with all of these church friends of John Guest giving the, the gospel basically to all my dad's friends. So my dad's main issue and cause and passion is evangelism. And so we got involved with Youth for Christ pretty heavily, and so I got to see some of that. And it was interesting for me. The first experience, I think, in the donor side was um, as my dad started to be more generous towards Youth for Christ in particular, the people that were involved with Youth for Christ were like, hey, Todd, let's talk. And I'm like, why is this old dude talking to me? You know, it, I'm, I'm 14. It was, uh, and the president of this organization is here now. That's interesting. And, and it was that kind of stuff. But they would talk to me more. Um, yeah. But again, I found out most of the stories about the donor rep stuff and my dad's generosity, honestly, through people that I know through Youth for Christ over the years that have have poured in and told me. I was with a guy even recently. So this is, uh, I'm 41 now. Um, uh, this was literally in the last year. I went to some guy's retirement party from Youth for Christ. And I show up, and he's a family friend. I've known Larry for years. And some other guys were telling me stories about my dad because he was on the Youth for Christ board for probably 30 years nationally. And so I got some of those stories that way. Um, hmm. But it was, it was interesting. It was, that was the point about the first ones is they yeah. came up and were talking to me about my dad's generosity and thanking me for my dad because I think right. it's easier to talk to the kid than it is the dad. Sure, sure. And yeah. so my dad's yeah. a hard charger, right? So was my grandpa. Um, and it was easier probably to talk to me and thank me than it was for them to thank my dad. Yeah. And also kind of a cool donor moment to pour into the kid too, right? So right. most yeah. people in the donor world ignore the kids, but um, mm-hmm. to a certain extent, it's, yeah, it's fun Do that Do you way. remember your first ask, the first, like the first pitch, or is that is that really not the, actually that momentous of an occasion? Um, I remember my first one from a friend. Uh-huh. That was interesting. Okay. Uh, so I was in college at the time. And um, so none of my inheritance or whatever stuff was known to me at this point. Uh, I didn't know. I'm just a kid going at the time. I was thinking I was going to be a youth pastor and actually was for a while. And um, so I don't think I have resources. I think my parents do, but I don't. Mm-hmm. And I remember a guy came to try to pitch me to get my dad. And so that's happened quite a bit. At least in that day, it happened a lot more. Right. Now they pitch me more. But my, yep. um, the guy came in, and he was um, trying to raise support. He had just gotten a job mm-hmm. at this nonprofit, and he was like, he, he invited me out to coffee, mm-hmm. which was also weird because I'm in college, and, and he was yeah. just out. Mm-hmm. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, okay, we'll go out to coffee. Usually we just hang out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and he sent me a calendar invite. That was the weird part. Yeah. And I went, Okay. And again, I'm a college student. I've never had an Outlook calendar invite at this point in my life except for job-related stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, I thought it was hanging out with my buddy, right? Right. And so we hang out for coffee, and he was in a suit, and I'm coming from class, right? Yeah. I probably had on jeans and a you know, T-shirt and whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, dude, what's going on? I'm just connecting. And he had like a folder sitting there with materials, huh. and I'm just like... So he did not set it up well. Of, yeah. Hey, this is a fundraising appointment or whatever. I want yeah. to talk to you about my ministry yeah. or yeah, what I'm yeah, doing yeah. or blah blah blah. None of that. Yeah. It was it was awkward. And yeah. then and then and then the ask though that was the other thing that was weird is the ask was not for me to give. Mm-hmm. The ask was, can I meet your dad? <laughs> and I'm like, right. You've 
met him before. Like he was a buddy. Like he, my yeah. dad had taken us out to dinner. Like when he, my, my parents, as a tradition, whenever they come in, I went to school in Indiana and we were in Michigan. They would come down. And whenever they would visit us, they wanted to get to know our friends. They'd take us all out to eat. Right. And so I'd just grab whatever dudes were around and we'd go to, you know, yeah. Italian restaurant or we went to a, uh, my, my favorite incident is we went to the, uh, there was a, a restaurant in Indianapolis that, that rotates and it was a nice steakhouse. And my friend sat down who'd never been to a steakhouse like this in his yeah. life. And he said, man, this steak is, it's immaculate. And <laughs> dad started laughing. He's like, clean steak, is it? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but he would do that all the time. So he he knew my dad. Like he'd met before, but he's yeah. but he didn't have his phone number. He couldn't call him about this donor rep stuff. Yeah. And and I'm like, uh, sh- sure. I don't know. So I called my dad. I go, hey, this was weird, but my buddy wants to meet you, and he just started with a ministry. And my dad goes, oh yeah. Let me tell you about what's going to happen. And and so my oh, my dad okay. actually said no. Um, yeah. Because he he knew the ministry and he he's, yeah. he was already supporting him too, which was the other weird thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, that was my first odd one. How? What was your experience of your dad's? I, I don't want to say. It doesn't sound like it was a jaded response, but it was kind of this this knowing. Well, again, at that point in my life, um, we hadn't talked about a ton of stuff, uh-huh. right? So any of my uniqueness, my family, I didn't know to like numbers and stuff, and so it was like, well, I knew my dad had been successful. I knew he sold his business and. He retired when and, and um, but no, it was kind of like a welcome to the club. You're going to get that a lot. Let okay. me tell you how to deal with it. Kind of a conversation. <laughs> yeah, a little um, bit of an initiation. Yeah, yeah, welcome to the club. That's interesting. What's one of the worst asks that that you've either experienced or or maybe you want to tell a story? You can, like I say, change names and faces. All yeah, that stuff. I've got. Um, so after my grandmother passed. Mm-hmm. Um, she had given most. She she had given through us over the years, but on, on the estate when the final final uh, death passed, she was going to give it Just all away. Just a quick clarification: when you say given through you, what does that mean? Uh, over the years, she had given me my inheritance already. Oh, and okay, gotcha. So she was on the on the finalization of her estate. It was all going to give into charities, not yep. to family members. Yep. And I had known this, and the nonprofit didn't. But we were sitting down, and a nonprofit called me up to thank me for my grandmother's gift. <laughs> and I'm going, anyway, and, and they're, they're so totally. So she put your name on it? I don't, I think I knew them. I, oh, I see. Okay. I, I don't know why they called me up to take sure. me out to eat, but several of them did. Yeah. And, and I said no to the other two. I'm like, th- thanks. You're welcome for my grandmother's gift. Like, that was like, what? Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't get why you're thanking me for that. Right. Maybe because they wanted to say thank you and couldn't call my grandmother because she had passed. Yeah. Um, but no, this, this one calls me up and there are two of them and it was the local guy and the national guy, which was also a different mix. Cause my giving at that point was at the local guy level. I didn't get national guy attention and, and they were calling me to thank him and they were really, you know, glowing and whatever. And it was the local guy was more awkward. The national guy was a little bit nicer and better and more polished. Um, but at a certain point I'm like, Hey guys, let me just call this out. This is a little bit weird. Um, <laughs> you're calling to say thank you. Uh, for money uh, given to your organization, my grandmother didn't deem me worthy to get. And they all kind of went, Ooh. I said, Whoa, I, I probably yeah. stated a little bit stronger, fellas, but um, if this happens again with other people, and I, I kind of more used it as a teaching time for them, mm-hmm. but they were just very tone deaf to the organization, tone deaf to this space, and tone deaf to the fact that I just lost my grandmother, you know? Right. So they're like, oh, thanks for this gift, because it was a nice gift. And I'm like, I just lost my grandma. Thanks. Right. So 
you didn't ask me stories about my grandmother. You didn't talk about her. I was going to say, was, let's go back. Yeah. Let's, yeah, recreate it in a good way. Yeah. So like, what, what, if I were them, yep. what I would have come in is go, hey, you know, set it up well and say, hey, we'd love to call you and thank you for your grandmother's gift, but we'd also just love to take you to coffee. We're in town for these whatever reasons. Yeah. Are you available? Yeah. You know, set it up as a, a thank you for this. Yeah. Um, and then in the moment, like start with a, hey, we're really glad you're here. Thanks for coming. We've really appreciated your grandmother's faithfulness. However, we also want to recognize your grandma just passed. How are you doing? Right. Like there was no check-in. There was no whatever. And, and when, she, she was in hospice for a long time. Like she, she was a feisty bird that wouldn't die in yeah. a cool way. And so it wasn't a shocker, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It was probably three years in the making. Nobody was surprised by it. At the same time, I just lost my grandma. You know, mm-hmm. so there was part of that that was weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, whenever there's two people at the table, you probably need to explain who they are and what they're doing. And it was just two people at the table. So like the local guy who I'd talked with would say, you know, something to the extent of, hey, just so you know, Todd, I'm bringing it with me. So-and-so is part of our national organization. He'll mm-hmm. be there. He just, he's, he's right. in town. Yep. You know, something like that was yep. needed. And it was just two dudes randomly showed up. And there's this random dude I don't know. And the one dude I've met with a couple times. Right. You know, so it's, it's one of those clarify the relationship, right? So clear right. the air, talk through it. Hey, we're, this is why we set it up. And then on the intro, hey, this is so-and-so. This is Steve. He's with our national organization. Yeah. We just really wanted to say thanks. We have no agenda today or, yeah. or whatever. You just just set the set the expectation of the meeting or the agenda that's, well. That's good. Uh, and then also just care for me, mm-hmm. you know? And, and that yep. was part of what was missing was um, thanks for the gift. We're really giddy. This is what we're doing with it, which is cool. But... Um, right. It was, it was just awkward. And right. so part of me being a, a little bit of a jerk went, hey, yeah. this is what yeah. you're doing. Yeah. And, and yeah. they're like, well, I mean, we didn't, I'm, uh, you know, yeah. all that stuff. Hem and hawing. I'm like, I'm just teasing, fellas. I'm fine. I, I'm really okay. She's an old feisty bird. And so we, we talked through this. And I said, hey, this is, um, let me coach you for the next time you're doing something like this. Um, you need to set it up knowingly. I have no clue who this guy is. You probably right. should let me an intro on there. It was just like, let's talk through it. Yeah. Um, and so they're like, oh, that was really good. And they're taking notes and, and whatever. And we turned it into kind of a coaching call. But um, yeah. it was weird. Yeah. Yeah. What about a good one? Where, I mean, and I'm thinking you're just going, man, that was a nice touch. Yeah. Like you actually felt blessed. Yeah. Uh, well, with you the other day, it okay. was actually kind of fun. Yeah. So back to Jay Paul yeah. still being in the game. Yeah. Uh, there's a cool video related to a ministry we love, Generous Giving. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're redoing one of the videos. And you're like, hey, we got an opportunity to join the party, mm-hmm. I think was your actual phrase. And it was over email, but which is yeah. fine because we've known each other for right. at least 10 years. Yeah. Um, and I went over a lot of dry powder. So I went, hey, dude, thanks. That's awesome. Love the opportunity. Love to see the project when it's done. But we can't participate right now. We got a lot, don't have a lot of dry powder. Yeah. That was fun. Um, another one, probably the most honoring one I've loved is, um, there is a more, more, more of a guy in the connector space rather than the, the donor rep or the resource guy comes in and he got to know me. He takes me out to, to eat. We're just buddies. Right. And he goes, Hey, I've got an opportunity. I think you'd like to be aware of because you mentioned this, you mentioned this, you mentioned this. So I'm going, Oh, you're actually listening when I talk. Right. So that was cool. Yeah. And it's related to a a cause and a passion we're excited about. Okay. Uh, and so he had gotten to know me. He knew it was the right opportunity. He goes, hey, can I make an introduction to, right? Ask for permission. It was beautiful. And I go, actually, I can probably just write a check, dude. That sounds really good. He goes, oh, I, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. I said, 
No, dude, you're right. That's my passion. That's my cause. We've got yeah. cash flow. I, I mentioned because it's my buddy. We just had a great, great year end in my business. Yep. And he's like, I'd like to make you aware of this. And I said, actually, what's the ask? What's the number? I pushed the agenda forward much yep. further than he probably would have. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he went, well, no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, I, I literally took you out to eat. I just want to hang out with my buddy. Um, yeah. If I'm heading into, you know, I'm switching my hat, which, by the way, I'm picking up the tab. But if I'm switching my hat, I'm saying, no, no, you're not the other tab. You know, all that kind of fun stuff. Yeah. And and he goes, no, I'm not I'm not letting the ask happen because I'm here, literally. I, I called this because I want to hang out with my buddy, and we're just going to grab a cup of coffee, and I just want to catch up. I yeah. said, sweet. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. However, it's exactly what we're right. looking to. So yeah, I'd love to to, right. to figure out the ask on that. So he, he goes, okay, let me send you, what information would you want to see? And I'm like, oh, um, yeah, I probably need to do more due diligence in this, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I'm not a due diligence guy. Um, yep. I'm a gunslinger, shoot from the hip. Yep. Um, and he goes, uh, oh, yeah, let me, I'll send you some paperwork on it. I'll send you, the, this is the real, and he gave me a high-level overview this is the uniqueness. This is why the timing makes sense. This is the whatever. And kind of walk me through the, the ins and outs of it. I go, sweet. Uh, yeah, whatever you send to normal people is great. I already get your annual reports, whatever. Um, I'd love to see the details on it. Um, and if you want to arrange a call for me to talk to somebody that knows more of the project, I probably have a follow-up question or two from what I read. I in the back of my head, I'm like, I probably need to get a follow-up question or two from yeah. what I read. <laughs> but it was fun. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. That's very cool. I, I I often say to development people, the best ask in fundraising is when the giver asks you. Yes. You know, they yes. start pulling on you to do yep. stuff. And, yeah. and, and that's, you know, there's so much that goes into that. But yeah. you and I have talked about strength of relationship. Part of the reason that it was okay for me to send you an email yeah. rather than call you up or, or even wait till I got here yeah. for this trip. Yeah. Um, was because our relationship has history and strength. Yeah, and and we'll get into more detail in that on yeah. future conversations. But well, but another also, another note. Yeah. To, sorry to switch yeah, go ahead. Totally. Go ahead. My other favorite thing is we had you over for our house once, and uh-huh. um, we were gonna have a home cooked meal because you were on the you know road tour way way back in the day. And I had you over to the house, and my wife bought some steaks, and they were not great steaks, but the rest of the meal was great. And in the moment you were talking through the meal. You were like, man, these green beans are fantastic, which is my wife's specialty at the time, is green yeah. beans with sliced almonds, whatever. And it. you mentioned everything being awesome, and you didn't mention the steak being awesome. Yeah. Because it wasn't. Yeah. Like, it was rough. And I'm going, <laughs> crap. But in the back of my head, I went, wait, wait, wait. J. Paul was genuine compliments on the parts of the meal that I thought actually deserved genuine compliments. Phew. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting here going, oh, man. No, it was... Because it, yeah. it was it was rough, and, and, and both of us were kind of like <laughs> so funny. That was not I great, but I love that you were genuine. Yeah, and and you yeah. didn't compliment the steak of thank you for this because it was it was like a chuck roaster. It was it was not great. <laughs> or a sirloin. It was so good. It had it, it was a speaking of a tough bird. That was a tough cow. Like it was. Yeah. Mm, it, but you, you were genuine with it. You, yeah. you didn't compliment the parts of the meal that didn't deserve complimenting. Oh, I love that. And yeah, then you also were talking memory. to my boys when they were young. This had to be nice yeah. 10 years ago then, because they were... Probably so. You were talking to them about sleeping on the trampoline. Uh, oh, and, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and my sleepovers. Boy's like, I can sleep over on the trampoline? I'm like, j that's a great idea. My boys well, need to have spend the fun, night on the trampoline. Fun fact for the listeners, yeah. I also have four kids, and they're also a seven-year spread. Yeah. So we, you're, it's just that yours are about seven years behind mine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mine are 19 to 26. Yeah. Um. But I want to go back to the to the email ask I did. Yeah. Another here's another element of that for me. 
By the way, both those things are funded. Oh, sweet. So praise God. I do want to see it, by the way. But that's part of the reason I didn't want to wait until I got here. I thought... Right. I you wanted give, an opportunity. Yeah. I, I, the people I sent it to, it's like, hey, guys, kind of first come, first served. You yeah. know? And But I knew for all of you that I sent it to, which wasn't a huge group, Yeah. similar thing to what you said about your friend is he knew what your passion is. So I yeah. knew your heart enough to know yeah. that if you did have the dry powder, you were right going to jump in on it. Boom. That's right. 100%. Um, so yeah, praise God, those things are, are going to happen. That is happen. cool. Okay. We dedicate all of our podcasts to one of your favorite things. In this case, Todd, Todd and Janelle DeCryder. Yeah. What is one of your favorite things? So I want you to talk about, is it Synapis? Synapis, okay. yeah. This podcast episode this is podcast dedicated. Is brought to you by Synapis. There. Wow. That was, I just got. <laughs> That's that my radio incredible. voice. Incredible. You should have I, been doing that this whole time. I did have a radio voice uh, in college. Okay. Uh, it was the Buck and Ricardo show, voice boxes that can kill. <laughs> there we go. It was terrible. So do your best. 90 seconds on yeah. Synapis. I love Synapis. So Synapis is trying to fight global poverty in Jesus' name through entrepreneurship. So very similar to the work of Hope International, um, but they basically come in and try to find local entrepreneurs and fund the work they're doing through a neat loan strategy. Uh, but one of the reasons I love it is the guy that actually runs the organization, um, Matthew, is a CFA which is rarefied air, by the way. When you go to see a nonprofit, you'll see masters and theologies and whatevers, but he's a CFA. Uh, and so beautiful that he's in his gifting and calling to help these entrepreneurships. And CFAs know a little bit about analyzing some money, right? Um, but help stir up global entrepreneurship. A lot of stuff in, in Kenya, Africa, uh, the Asiatics, they're all over now. A lot actually in Mongolia, some super, super cool stories. Um, but they basically stir up entrepreneurship because everybody needs Jesus in a job. And if you have an area where the local economy is lacking and weak, um, one of the best ways to draw them out is through jobs and local and small businesses. The best ones to create jobs. And so I love what they're doing. Um, faith forward, uh, unique opportunities to train entrepreneurs, to go through a, a unique track record. And I'm sure they could give you plenty more details than I would. Yeah. Um, but an excellent offering to do work really well. Fantastic. And that likely somebody hasn't heard of, which that's my other thing. Because I've got some blue chip charities I love too. But that's right. Synapis is more of a small one um, that's doing yeah. really well. Yeah, I love hearing about kind of the bootstrapping behind the scenes or yep. under the radar. Totally. That's very cool. Did you mention a region they're in, or is it global? It's global. Okay. They're actually based here in uh, uh, Indianapolis. Okay. Um, but they're, yeah, Kenya, I know, is the headquarters, and I know some Asiatic stuff in Mongolia is my most recent stories that I've heard. Yep. Um, they had a guy come to an event, you know, in, in for fundraisers or whatever, and this dude that was from Mongolia described this idea about business as a ministry or business as missions more articulately than I think I'd ever heard before. Yeah. But he was also so ridiculously passionate about going back to his people and helping them. He's an insider. All, all of it stuff is just beautiful. He, he oh, got excited it. about the gospel and goes, but wait, my people need jobs. Yeah. Um, they're you know getting taken advantage of in so many different ways sideways. If we could come in to help stir up the local job population. Right. Anyway, so it's a super neat ministry. That's great. We'll throw a link in the show notes. Yeah. Todd, thank you, thank you. This was a blast. This was fun. We're going to have more fun together. Hopefully. We always do. We always have Sometimes fun. we just throw a microphone in. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much. This for has been a blast. Thanks for having me. All right, bud.
All right, so in our interview with Todd, we heard about Synapis, and we are joined right now by Matthew Roars. He's the CEO of Synapis. It's a global network that equips entrepreneurs to build successful faith-driven businesses that create jobs, grow the economy, and spark spiritual renewal. Uh, Matthew's unique background combines investment management, international economic development with spiritual leadership. I love that. And Matthew and his wife, Jean, live in Indianapolis with three boys. So Matthew, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit about what's happening at Synapis right now, and, and we would love to invite people to go check it out. Yeah, it's a really exciting time at Synapis. Uh, we were planted in East Africa and Kenya uh, about 12 years ago. And in the, the course of the last five or six years, we've been able to expand to a variety of different markets around the world. So we directly manage entrepreneurship training and acceleration offerings in Kenya, Uganda, and Rwanda, which are all in East Africa. And then we have partners in seven other markets around the world. We recently just hosted a global summit called Forge in Nairobi had 150 leaders from 32 nations gathered together to explore what these ideas of faith-driven entrepreneurship and investment mean in some of the hardest markets in the world. So it's been a really, really exciting time. Tell us a story of something recently that's happened that really excites you about the impact that Synapis is having. Yeah, one of the entrepreneurs that I worked with when I lived in Kenya, her name is Grace and she and her husband Greg were part of the Entrepreneur Academy program that we offer. So this is a four month mini MBA, very rigorous. And then Grace went on to be part of our Fast Track Accelerator program. So great entrepreneurs. They had grown their company from the really, really early stages up to 21 employees. It's not the biggest, most exciting company. It's a bakery, but profitable, led by people who had real conviction that God, we wanna use this business for you and your glory. So one of the employees that they hired was a young man named Peter, and Peter was from rural Kenya. And I want you to try to imagine what his parents chose to do. There were no employment opportunities, no economic development in the rural village. And they said, we don't know what to do. Peter, we think you need to go to the big city. Well, Nairobi is 4 million people. And they sent this poor boy, very little education, off to try to make a life. And I'm sure the prayers that they prayed and the fears that they felt, so Peter ends up in Nairobi and he's bouncing around. He's living in Kibera slum, largest slum in sub-Saharan Africa. He's trying to find work and people will hire him, but they're not paying him. They're mistreating him. And so he's just barely scraping by. This is somebody right at the edge of extreme poverty. And then he lands a job as an errand runner and a cleaner with Grace and Greg at their bakery. Peter's a really hard worker. He keeps his head down. So they were really surprised one day when he said, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? Grace had just entered the shop for the day. And she said, sure, Peter, what's going on? And he said, I want you to know, because of the decisions that you've made to pay me on time, to provide breakfast and lunch as part of the employee benefits, which Grace and Greg had done because they said, we know what's happening with so many of our employees. Wow. This is a way we can show God's love to them. We can care for them. And he had also chosen to walk as much of his morning commute as he could. That in the course of nine months, he was able to save enough money to build his parents a new home. Wow. And he asked Grace and Greg, he said, would you please come with me and see what's happened because of the business that you've led and the hearts that you have for God and your employees? 
So they yeah. closed the bakery one Saturday, took the entire staff a couple hours outside of Nairobi. And I remember Greg saying to me, I will never forget the look in Peter's father's eyes when he thanked me for leading a business according to a biblical foundation to caring about his son, Peter. And it's just a beautiful illustration of what happens. The beautiful. business you wouldn't think is changing the world, but it's profitable. It's led by people who love God and love people. And it's making a huge difference in the lives of people like Peter and his parents. Wow. I love it. God bless you guys for for doing these sorts of things. Just a great story. And so Matthew and I were talking a little bit before we recorded this, and I just asked him, I said, hey, what can we invite people to take a look at? Is there anything specific to give to? And here's what he shared. He said, hey, we need to broaden our base of people. We've got a lot of foundations and some major donors that are helping us out, but we need to invite more people to the party um, and broaden our base. So that is what we're doing. You're going to see a link to Sinapis in the show notes. And Matthew and I, and Todd is in the back of my head along with us. We are inviting you guys to the Sinapis party. Matthew, thank you for joining us. Thank you, everybody. All right. The Breakthrough Podcast is produced by myself, J. Paul Frydenmaker. Special thanks to Todd DeKreider for taking time to share his story with us. Be on the lookout for some very special upcoming episodes with friends from Ukraine. You will not want to miss those. And may you break through to radical generosity in your efforts to invite people to join your cause. Thank you.